Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It is Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle coming to you live from the seaport. Brought to you by Patron. Perfection starts with Patron. So Aaron Rodgers each and every Tuesday joins the Pat McAfee Show on ESPN, our YouTube channel, ESPN Plus, and of course all across the ESPN platforms here. And Aaron Rodgers always gives us information on that show. Aaron Rodgers per Travis Kelsey, that's his game day. Of course, Tuesdays on McAfee. Let's listen to what Rodgers had to say yesterday. First off, on his December 2nd potential return date. That's a Saturday. Uh, it's also my birthday. I have said uh, that I'd love to be, you know, trending towards practicing by my birthday. Maybe that, you know, uh. the telephone got back that I wanted to, you know. But I don't think there's any reason in, in opening, uh, you know, designated to return off of IR on a Saturday um, unless you're going to activate me on a Sunday. So I don't, oh. I don't think that that's necessarily uh, the way that things are going uh, as far as specific dates. Okay, so talking about that Saturday on his birthday, his 40th birthday, by then they'll have played another game. They have this Friday home against the Dolphins. We are assuming they lose that game. That puts them at 4-7. and seven. In addition, Rodgers talked to McAfee about the decision by the Jets to bench Zach Wilson. We need a spark, and obviously this was uh, the decision that was made. I feel for Zach. I love Zach. You know, Zach's such a great kid, and I do think he still has a bright future in the league. This has been a tough go for all of us. Uh, a lot of times in these situations, there's certain guys that got a scapegoat, and uh, I think there's enough blame to go around a number of different positions. You know, if you have 10 guys doing it right on a play and one guy not, um, it's hard to, hard to be efficient. Uh, scapegoat? We're hearing that right? Zach Wilson guys and scapegoat? Same sentence? I, I don't understand why he's saying Zach is being scapegoated. Zach hasn't been good. They're trying to change things to see if somebody else can be better. That's what comes along with it. Aaron Rodgers has been in the NFL long enough to know how these things go. So to, to frame Zach Wilson as a scapegoat when he quite literally hadn't been able to develop to the point where the team didn't think they could have success, which prompted them to go out and trade for Aaron Rodgers, is absolutely ridiculous. Zach Wilson is nobody's victim. He's had the worst QBR of any quarterback since he's come into the league. Like, he's nobody's victim. So to sit here and to try to frame it as Zach being treated unfairly is just absolutely ridiculous by Rodgers. Yeah, he wasn't supposed to be in this situation. Zach Wilson wasn't. And we see now why. He was thrown into uh, being the starter when they didn't anticipate that. And it didn't work out. Just like they predicted it would because they went out and got Aaron Rodgers. They knew he wasn't the guy. And I I know that Aaron Rodgers chooses his words carefully. And he's not going to point the finger and blame himself for getting injured. He's certainly not going to blame Nathaniel Hackett, his boy, for any of the things that we're seeing on offense. 
And it's easy to look at Zach Wilson and say, you're the reason why, because he hasn't elevated his team around him. He has not been the player that he needed to be, even though they didn't anticipate that he was going to be put in this position. But it's, it's a lot easier for him to take the fall and for him to be the guy that we all point to than to really do what's needed, which is to point blame at a bunch of different people, not just Zach Wilson. So what, what is the tangible evidence of Aaron Rodgers' time with the Jets, right? Because the idea of, oh, he makes everybody better. He's the rallying cry. We've, like, compared him to the blankie for the Jets. Like, he just mm-hmm. is comforting. That's not really tangible. The tangible evidence would be he's there on the team. Okay, we know that. He unfortunately got hurt four plays into the season. Not his fault by any stretch of imagination. He wanted Nathaniel Hackett with him. Maybe the worst offensive coach in the NFL of a prime position. Like, head coach, coordinator, he's been horrific the last two years. He wanted Alan Lazard. 20 catches, 290 yards, and a touchdown. He wanted Randall Cobb. Three catches, 20 yards. He wanted Tim Boyle as his backup. Not very good. Going to start this week. Let's see what he does against the Dolphins. The tangible evidence of what Aaron Rodgers has brought to the New York Jets has been awful. Is that fair to say? Like, literally, he's a horrible general manager. I don't know how else. Like, we could talk about how great he was in the offseason. Taylor Swift concert, Knicks games, Rangers games. Wow, he's really ingratiating himself to New York. And he didn't. I don't want to take that away from him. He's not Mm -hmm. trying to get hurt by any stretch of the imagination. But if Aaron Rodgers were to decide after the season, you know what? It's just not worth it for me anymore. I have all the money I need. I have all the accomplishments I need. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to go through all the struggles of rehab and everything like that. I'll have a broadcast career. Anything I want to do post-football, I'm walking away. He's been awful for the Jets. Yeah, but they had to do that in order to get him, give him this this amount of power. But what they did is they set up the New York Jets to succeed for Aaron Rodgers. And mm-hmm. then they removed him from the equation and didn't factor in all of the other players that they needed to consider. Stop right there. You said something brilliant just now. You just said they set up the New York Jets to succeed for Aaron Rodgers. Did they, they didn't not? set you're, you're a thousand percent right. They didn't actually set up the New York Jets to succeed. No, they set Aaron Rodgers up to succeed. And then all of a sudden, quickly and shockingly, he's out four plays into the season, and they're left picking up the pieces of a team that was built for him without him. And that's why it's hard for me to put all of the blame on Zach Wilson when it's not all his fault. He was not supposed to be in this position. They should have gone out and gotten another quarterback to back up Aaron Rodgers in case of emergency, a quarterback that they felt was more capable to succeed because they do have a lot of other talent on the team. But by bringing in the players that he wants, by bringing in the offensive coordinator that he wants, by giving him the keys to the kingdom, you set yourself up to succeed only with this one person. Brilliant. Well, well, Smalls, Smalls, you're on it right now. And here's the thing. I'm going to take it a step further. You're talking about this thing being set up for Aaron Rodgers to succeed with the and, and not necessarily for the organization to succeed unless it's Aaron Rodgers. My, I guess my thing is this. If it's about what Aaron Rodgers was trying to get out of the twilight of his career after being traded away from Green Bay, it was to enhance his legacy. He's already going to be a Hall of Famer, but to be amongst the pantheon of great quarterbacks, to have a chance to get multiple titles, at least go to multiple Super Bowls, and to resurrect the Jets franchise, that was going to be what enhances his legacy. Mm -hmm. After he got hurt in week one, if the Jets go out and make a move for a quarterback, say a Josh Dobbs at the trade deadline, and the Jets go on a playoff run, what does that do for Aaron Rodgers' legacy if the team if he comes back next year and the team doesn't win a championship? Uh, I think I think a part of why the Jets have been handled. 
when it comes to the quarterback position and why they've been reluctant to change away from Zach Wilson is because, in effect, it could potentially diminish what Aaron Rodgers is trying to accomplish with enhancing his legacy in the twilight of his career. I I know it it seems like one of those things that's a little bit down a winding road, but knowing that Aaron Rodgers is the the quintessential sports narcissist, I I just feel like this could be a situation where Rodgers doesn't want anybody else to come in and have success. It's got to be him that capitalizes on what the Jets have been able to assemble on this roster, and if it's not him – then he's going to have a problem with it. But if that's the case, and I love that perspective, Cece, then I blame the powers that be and not Aaron Rodgers because their obligation and their responsibility is more than him. It's to Sauce Gardner. It's to Garrett Wilson. It's to the defense. There are so many other players and their legacy and their football lives that they needed to account for. So, Cece, you used the word earlier that you you used it kind of in passing, and I, I can't stop thinking about it with this situation. I relate it to another situation. You said the Jets basically had to do this. They were desperate, right? And we all know that. Desperate is an interesting word to use for acquiring a quarterback, right? You draft a quarterback. You trade for a quarterback. You sign a quarterback. You want a quarterback. When you're desperate for a quarterback, it indicates not the moment. It indicates the history. The Jets haven't had a quarterback in God knows how long. I bring up the Cleveland Browns. They acted in a desperate way to try to acquire Deshaun Watson because that's the only way they were going to be able to get him was to guarantee him more money than Atlanta, which probably would have made more sense for everyone, the Falcons, Watson, and the, and, and the Browns maybe, involved. But when you factor in the history to the moment of the decision, you may act desperate. And the two teams that acted maybe the most desperate here, I don't want to say it. it's not going to work, but you can't say it has worked so far. No, and here's the thing. I'm, I'm not optimistic that it's going to work out in the future. Why, why should I have more belief that Aaron Rodgers is going to be healthier than he was coming into this year? Like, I don't, I'm not going to say he's going to go with a back-to-back Achilles injury, but players don't get healthier as they get older. And coming off of a major injury like this, uh, I mean, it doesn't bode well for him going into what will be his age 41 season in 2024. So, no, I'm not I'm not buying that the Jets are going to be better positioned next year than they are this year. They may go out and make some roster moves, but, but I mean, I just don't have any trust in the quarterback, and I don't have any trust in the organization that they're going to make the right decisions around this core of players. So, yeah, I, I – They've given over control of of the franchise to Rodgers, and I guess that's what they had to do in order to get him. But you knew what you were signing up for based on how things ended in Green Bay. And one of the historically most functional franchises in the NFL looked anything but in the last couple of years with Rodgers when he felt threatened with the composition of the quarterback room. So I just I don't think it's a good place um, that the Jets are headed to. We clearly know it's not a good place for them to be in now, but there were things that could have been done where the season wouldn't have been a wash, it wouldn't have been a throwaway, and the fact that they didn't do them because of egos or potentially because of the presence of Aaron Rodgers, the fact that we're even asking that question is damning in and of itself. Yeah, and I guess that's why I'm I'm a little frustrated, if I'm a Jets fan, that they're continuing to go down this road because – 
even though they gave him all of the power and it didn't work out this season, they're going back down that road. They're saying you can determine when you come back. Whenever you feel ready, go ahead. And granted, he knows his body better than anybody else, but it's just the power that they're relinquishing to him. There's all the reports out there that they're going to go out and try again and get his buddy Devontae Adams. It's just decision after decision that revolves around this one person. And I'm not going to blame him for being the the moon in this orbit. I'm going to blame the people around him for not being the adults in the room and looking at everybody else that they have a a responsibility to in that locker room and saying, we are maybe going to do something that Aaron Rodgers doesn't like because we're going to put ourselves in the best position to win. You know, in a stunning development, I'm going to make a comparison to Brady and Belichick. This may shock you. And also rice, good food. Um, But it works. The New England Patriots for 20 years made great decisions for the team to make them great. They literally said to Tom Brady, we'd like you to take less money against the cap so we have more room to operate. To which he assumed that meant they were going to re-sign his go-to guy, Wes Welker, for more money. And they let Wes Welker walk to Denver, their biggest competition, because they did not feel like it was in the best interest of the team to pay him that money. And so to your entire point here, Smalls, and CeCe's been, been backing this up with all the great information the New York Jets operate for Rodgers, not for the team. What Brady and Belichick did was operate for the team. Even if Brady didn't like it, it was still for the good of the team. Coming up, our frenemy is going to join us. Joe Fortenbaugh is going to join us today. Normally, he joins us Friday. Why would we do that? Why? <laughs> we are going to find out next. It's Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about Electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus. Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. It is on Sportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Hello, Chris Canty, Michelle Smallman, Evan Cohen with you. You know, normally on Fridays, Joe Fortenbaugh joins us. Carlin versus Joe, weekdays, noon until 3 Eastern. ESPN bet, analyst, co-host. And um, he joins us on Fridays to talk games, picks for the weekend. It's Wednesday today. Wednesday. You know, we, we pride ourselves on working hard. I guess somebody's not working on Friday. I guess somebody's taking off the next couple of days. I guess somebody feels like, yeah, it's, it's Thanksgiving. It's Friday. I don't I don't need to do this stuff. Joe, you're too big time? You, you don't make, need to work anymore? Make sure you turn on First Take tomorrow. Your boy will be on TV. Make sure you listen to different radio programs throughout Friday. Your boy will be on there. There are no off days. Uh, it seems Joe like there's an off day. 
Get your information right, Cohen. It seems like there's an off day. He just dunked on you so hard, Evan. <laughs> there are. There Excuse are. Me. If he's going to be here on first take, well, then he can come and uh, come on by. He's there like, are. Not only am I not taking the day off, but you can catch me on these fine programs. Yeah, <laughs> you can catch me on first take. You may have heard of it. It's a big show. They bring the big man on on Fridays. That's when he puts the tie. I still don't know. Candy, how you found ties long enough to get around that neck of yours. Those have to be a special piece of craftsmanship. Well, you got to know where to go, Joe. That's all it is. It's all about having the relationships and having the insight. You don't understand that. I mean, based on no. what you do, how you made your name in this business, you, you get that. You, you, you understand the value of it. Thank you. Now, have we gotten to the bottom of the head up versus the heads up situation that we started Ooh. with here? Ooh. Well, okay. So, first of all... Um, when Chris Carlin walked into somebody at an airport and told them head up, he was mad that the person responded in a way that was that's rude. And when you're and when you're saying head up, you're giving someone an order. When you say heads up, you're looking out for them. I'm sorry, even going through law school, that somehow you don't understand that, Fortinball. <laughs> I'm sorry that you paid for extra education where I did not, and you still don't understand the difference between head up and order and heads up a warning. What's Big amazing difference. about all of that is there are so many different angles to it that we all gravitated towards. You with the discussion of Carlin to that individual, I think that's fair in terms of what you choose. I zeroed in on the fact that he talked about how he saw this guy from 50 feet away heading for him. Just get out of the way. Just get out of the way. That Put it on you. Be the guy who's the bigger person, both literally, as we know, and figuratively in this situation, and move to the side to avoid the problem. That's what my life is. My life is all about avoiding problems. There's a reason I don't have a ton of friends. The more people I add to the equation, the more problems that can, that can start to percolate. You know what I'm saying? I try to keep it tight. I try to keep it simple. That's the way Joe Fornball moves through the world. I didn't realize we had Drake here. No new friends, Joe <laughs> Fornball, all of a sudden. All right, let's get to the reason that we're having you on, which I have no idea what that is. Uh, but anyway, you claim to know the gambling stuff. You claim to know the wagering stuff. Uh, claim being the big thing. Uh, thankfully, ESPN Bet is an amazing platform that uh, we have that also has you. Anyway, uh, interim coach bump has been a thing that we've discussed are we looking at it with Pittsburgh this week? Do we think their offense pops this weekend because of the firing? I like the Steelers. They opened as a dog. They're now a small favorite right around minus one. Um, I, I would play them here. Not just the Canada firing because at this point, Canada's gone. Everybody on that offense, no more scapegoat. No more pointing the fingers. No one else to blame. It now all comes to you. You've all had a very, very simple way of saying, hey, look, the offense isn't working. Play calling stinks. It's the OC. It's not us. Now it's time for everyone to step up. I'm very interested to see how Najee Harris is going to perform this weekend. But on top of that, the Cincinnati side of the equation, it's a divisional rivalry, but they're sitting 5-5 five and five and Burroughs done for the year. I wonder how much get-up is going to be in their step this week for this game. They could, they, they could, that locker room could just be destroyed by the fact that they had the Super Bowl aspirations, they were cooking there for a minute, and now it all fell apart. So I don't know where their mojo is going to be. I would play the Steelers, yes. Well, clearly a team that Super Bowl hopes fell apart was the New York Jets, and that happened four plays into the new season. And now they're going through yet another <laughs> quarterback change, this time because of play. And they're switching from Zach Wilson to Tim Boyle. It's the first time we're having a Black Friday game in the National Football League. The Jets are 10-point home dogs to the Miami Dolphins. Joe, how do you see that game? How would you play that line? 
haven't done anything with it yet, but we're going to need action, right? All through the holiday season. We've got four games tomorrow, one college, three pro, and then Friday we've got a really nice college card in this game. I'd look to Miami or I wouldn't look to anything here. I'm, I'm not real confident in Boyle. I don't think the, the change at quarterback is going to do a whole lot to get these guys going. They know where their season's headed. Miami feels like a team that the last few weeks – they, they've been looking to blow somebody out like we've seen throughout the course of the season. They just haven't been able to get there. They've run into some good opponents. Last week, they come off the bye. They stumble a little bit early, but they did find a way to get the job done against the Raiders. I could see this game getting away from the Jets early. So haven't done a whole lot with it yet. If you can find less than 10, that'd be great. But I, I'm, I, I can't make the case for the Jets. There's nothing I can do here in terms of trying to tell you why the 10 points are going to be valuable to you. Joe, tomorrow, food, family, football for Thanksgiving. Three games. What is your favorite Thanksgiving bet on the board? I would like to believe that we'll be circling back to you for another question later because usually you ask about the wink-wink game, and that hit once again last week, if everyone remembers correctly. (laughs) Yeah, just want to make sure because I know Smallman, she slides in. She always has one very good question. It's the only good question during this interview, (laughs) and it ends up being right most of the time. So we'll come back to that. Here's what I'll give you for the Thanksgiving card. I don't think you need to worry about laying the points with the Lions. Go ahead, lay the seven and a half. Green Bay, maybe there's a little bit of a bump because they beat the Chargers last week. Big deal. I think they're going to get hammered in this game. The Lions showed a lot last week in that win against the Bears. Most importantly was the fact that they had a minus three turnover differential and they still won the game. They were terrible. If there's any point of emphasis this week in the buildup to this game, it's got to be clean football. They've got to find a way to play cleaner, sharper football, and I think you're going to get that. Uh, For those who like the six-point teasers I think you can tease them down to one and a half you can pair them up with Dallas tease that from 11 down to five it's the best way to get involved in the the, um, Cowboy game later in the day Cowboys blow out inferior competition and then struggle with the good teams night game we've seen sharp money on the under between Seattle and San Francisco it's dipped to 43 and a half Uh, primetime unders have been a very real thing this year Niner defense Geno Smith banged up Uh, Niners should be able to control this game but again you're laying close to a touchdown on the road against a divisional opponent on Thursday night. That's a bad recipe right there. And there's a reason the game opened seven and dipped to six and a half. So we've seen a little Seattle money at a touchdown. The under would be the play there for me. All right, Joe, uh, serious question. Explain when you say the six-point teaser. Like when you're saying those who like to explain what that means for those who are not as familiar on the ESPN bet side going there every single day like you are. Great question. So there's several ways you can bet a game. You can bet a side, which is the point spread like we talk about, right? Like, for example, I like Nebraska minus two over Iowa. That's the side. We can bet a total. For example, Sunday night football, 47 points between the Ravens and the Chargers. I would bet the over. You can bet parlays, which is when you take a bunch of these things and mix them all together and hope to hit all of them. Bet a little to win a lot. And then there's something that's called a teaser. Six-point teaser is where you get six points to move the spread. You get to move the spread. So, for example, Detroit tomorrow is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. You can take your six points. You can tease the Lions down. And now, instead of covering seven-and-a-half, you just have to cover one-and-a-half, right? Seven-and-a-half minus six equals one-and-a-half. So all we have to do is cover that. Now, it sounds great, but there's a catch. You need a second leg in there. So you need to find another team to tease six points as well. So in this situation, we could take the Lions from seven-and-a-half down to one-and-a-half which means we need to win the game by two. And then we would need, for example, Dallas to win by more than five because we would tease them from 11 down to five. I love these. There's a very specific way to do them. They're called Wong teasers. That's after Stanford Wong, who wrote the book on it, literally wrote a book about gambling and has a big section on teasers in there. You want to always make sure you're teasing through two key numbers. So key numbers are seven, 
three, four, ten, for example. If you have a game where a favorite like Detroit is minus seven and a half and you tease them down to one and a half, you're moving through the key number of seven, through the key number of four, through the key number of three. There's a lot more value, a lot more bang for your buck in that sort of tease than there is in teasing six down to zero. Another rule, never tease through zero. Never go through from minus three to plus three. You're losing value on zero. Well said. Did that make any sense? As I'm saying yes, all that, I realize I've thrown a lot of numbers out there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was your voice, so I don't listen. But, I mean, yeah, if wow. somebody else were to say, like, the transcription of that, the transcription of that makes a lot of sense. It really does. I just have to read about it later. All right, Smalls, go ahead. Hit him, hit him with what he wants to be hit with here. Go ahead. All right, Joe, you got to give it, give it to us. What's the wink-wink game of the weekend? So I could sit here and tell you I like Michigan minus the three. It's been nothing but Ohio State money. I do like Michigan. I could sit here and tell you South Carolina plus seven over Clemson. That's too many points. I could tell you Buffalo plus three and a half against the Eagles. I love my Eagles, but you know what? Short week coming off that Monday nighter. Buffalo plus three and a half. It makes a lot of sense. No, no, no. Wink, wink. Jacksonville State minus one over New Mexico State. Oh College football. We're going to go against Jerry Kill. Nine and three at New Mexico State. You never want to do that. They have been fantastic, but here's the thing. You just blew out Auburn. Blew out Auburn in a huge upset where you were catching close to 20 points in that game. I think they're overvalued in this spot. Jacksonville State, 8-3. and three. They've been very good this year. Jacksonville State, minus one over New Mexico State. Smallman's wink-wink game of the week. Thank you, Joe. There it is. That's it? That, that's, that's how it. you say goodbye to Happy the Thanksgiving, Joe. Happy Thanksgiving, Joe. Thanksgiving, Joe. Yes, I'm not going to go there. The guest go there. who is willing to move from Friday to Wednesday. Willing to move because you're not schedule. working because, you're, because you don't value radio as much as you do TV. Understood. Oh, I'm working. Understood. I'm working. <laughs> I don't get paid by the word like you do, Cohen. You show up on Greenie's show because it's like the more words you can get in, the more you, you think that makes better radio. I am selective. Oh, the, oh, you know what? Outro music. Sorry, Joe. Gotta go. Gotta <laughs> Happy go. Happy Thanksgiving, up, everybody. An NFL fan. An NFL fan. An NFL coach doesn't like turkey. Next. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. You can listen to us on ESPN Radio. Watch us on ESPNU, all of the great ESPN stations across the country, Sirius XM80, and the ESPN app. College football. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle tonight la quinta tomorrow you shine book direct at lq.com hi it's mike greenberg letting you know espn bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring the official sports book of espn has exclusive offers and markets from scott van pelt Stephen a smith and me plus many more from the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Well, playoff rankings out yesterday. Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Washington, FSU on the outside looking in of those rankings. So Thanksgiving, of course, is tomorrow. A reminder, we will be here with you on Thanksgiving. Looking forward to uh, celebrating with you tomorrow. Dan Campbell, head coach of the Detroit Lions, CC's former teammate, is looking forward to celebrating Thanksgiving, but maybe not exactly the way that everyone else celebrates Thanksgiving. He was a guest on Stoney and Jansen with Heather on 97.1 in Detroit and broke down his Thanksgiving plate. 
Must have is ham. I'm a big ham guy. Okay. I'm not. Uh, I'm not a turkey guy unless it's unless it's fried turkey. Then I'm all for it. I am not a dressing fan. I am not. I'm not a dressing fan. I'm not a cra- cranberry fan. Okay. I got throw that right out to the dogs. I'm yeah. going straight off the plate, right on the floor. <laughs> Everything else is fair game. I'm all good. I'll just load it right on top of each other. It's a full stack. Okay, so not a turkey guy, in on the ham. How are we feeling about where Dan Campbell is for Thanksgiving here? I, I don't have a problem with it. I like the fact that Dan Campbell has a game plan. The only thing that I would say is not a dressing guy, Smalls. It's Thanksgiving. Stuffing is it's time to shine. It, That's right. It's an autumnal food. I just don't understand how you could be out on stuffing. I get not wanting to be, not being in on turkey, not being in on cranberry, but stuffing? Come on, Smalls. Yeah, I don't know what he's thinking. You know what, Cece? Maybe he just didn't have the right stuffing or the right dressing for him to have that take. But I have to say, I am shocked that Dan Campbell doesn't like turkey. Doesn't he look like the guy who's at the the head of the table carving up the turkey, but he rips off the drumstick for himself and he he eats it with, and he has his very specific dark versus white meat. He just views me as a big protein guy, so I'm shocked that he's not a turkey fan. No way he carves a turkey with a knife. He uses his hands. Like he's he's carving that thing up with his hands and ripping the whole thing apart. There's no question about that. By the way, one thing we have not hit on here with Thanksgiving that I need to figure out with you guys. How do you divvy up your time relative to eating? I'm a big, I eat at three meals a day. 7 a.m., noon, 6 p.m. is kind of roughly where I'm eating, right? Thanksgiving, you always eat at a weird time. Yeah. Do you eat before? Do you eat after? If you have like a lunch Thanksgiving, are you having dinner, some of the leftovers? How are you breaking down the meals that day at Thanksgiving? So for me, I'm going I'm to I'm eat early on Thanksgiving. So we do dinner around 2.30, 3 o'clock. That's going to be my first plate. I'm going to wait until about halftime of the second game, mm-hmm. which is usually somewhere, you know, 5 o'clock hour. I'm going to wait till about halftime of the second game. That's when I'm going to get the second plate. The second plate is only a couple of things, my favorite things from the first plate, my, my two favorite things. Then we're going to wait until – kick off for the next game to do the dessert plate. And then somewhere around the third quarter, you're going to talk about of the late game. Somewhere around the third quarter is the last plate. So that is my game plan for executing and dominating when it comes to eating on Thanksgiving. I have a follow a couple of follow-up questions, Mr. Canty, if I may, here. We're in a press conference. We're interviewing Chris Canty about his food on Thanksgiving. So when you say that last plate after dessert, that's a meal or that's dessert? That last plate. That's a meal. That's a meal. Fourth meal. Oh, wow. Okay. And are you eating breakfast that morning? Uh, Yeah. I mean, there'll be some, again, breakfast will be grazing again. So what I like to do, no, here's, here's, here's my game plan. This is what I like to do. So the day after Thanksgiving, Black Friday, what I like to do is break out that ham, (laughs) break out the ham. And then you get one of those, you get somebody to make you some biscuits. And then you go biscuits, ham. You can put a little jelly on there. If you want to go with the cheddar cheese, you can do that also. Boom. Breakfast, ham, biscuit. That's That's where I'm going with it. But For breakfast, day after Thanksgiving. But what about day of? What do you do day of? Anything day of until 2.30 or no? Oh, no. There's a little something. I mean, you got a base build, right, Ev? You got to have a good foundation. See, people, a rookie mistake is not eating anything until the meal. No, you got to make sure your, your stomach is ready to receive all of the good eats. So I'm going with a little little bit of grits, some bacon, like a small bowl of grits, some bacon, and, and maybe a piece of toast. That's my base 
for what I'm going to do in the afternoon. So smart. What a great approach. I love this. See, now I was the rookie, and I would usually not eat anything until Thanksgiving. But then to CeCe's point, once you get there, you overeat, and then you're miserable. You're absolutely miserable. So you do have to get that digestion working by having a snack in the morning. It's going to be weird for us, though, because normally, let's say we wake up at 7, 8 a.m., it's not that far to wait if you don't want to eat a lot until your Thanksgiving meal. We're doing the show tomorrow, so we're going to be up at around 4 a.m., so I think it's imperative that our entire crew eat something for breakfast so that we're not absolutely ravenous by the time we sit down for Thanksgiving. I think I counted five or six meals for CeCe. That is remarkable on Thanksgiving. Great approach. That is phenomenal. Yeah, I, I probably will go regular breakfast, regular lunch, and then Thanksgiving as my dinner. It just will be more, obviously, than than normal. But that is, wait, five meals, right, if you include dessert, Cece, on Thanksgiving? Five meals and really a so we got, six we the got next the, day. We got the small breakfast. We got the first plate. We got the second plate, the dessert portion, and then another plate. So, yeah, that's five, five. And any yeah. snacking on like appetizers or like things that, that you'll have? No, 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 no. We don't do that. No. Okay. No, we don't do that. All right. All right. That is. That. Are you a big appetizer guy on Thanksgiving? Oh, yeah, yeah. If there's like the cheese. Really? And, I love cheese and crackers. Oh, you know, Italians have a charcuterie board. Yeah, We're you got to have that. That's, yeah. that's really? going to be great. Interesting. Okay. All right. I would absolutely do that. Ryan in Texas watching on ESPNU. What's up, Ryan? <laughs> hey, guys. I've got to let you know. Uh, first of all, have Thanksgiving. Loving the new show. Thank you. Uh, you always respond back on Twitter, so that's really cool. Um, the most annoying thing is when you're in a group text with the happy Thanksgivings with people that you don't know except about two of them. Oh. That's really annoying. But, but why, Ryan? Are you in a group chat <laughs> with people you don't know? <laughs> I'm saying like two buddies of mine or somebody will send that text out thinking they're telling everybody happy Thanksgiving. Oh. They're killing 75 birds with one stone, getting Chris cantied all through the group text. That is just terrible. Just send me, send me one or don't put me in the group text. Oh, That's great. That's a now great I understand one. now, Ryan. And I love that we've, we're using it as a verb, cantied. It's right. a, now a verb on Thanksgiving. By the way, that is a thing because when you think about that group text you get and there are other numbers on there, now you're side texting the person you know and you're like, who else is on here? Then you're nervous. Am I texting the right person or did I text the group text who else is on here? And when they text back, what's happening there? That It always gets you concerned as to how you're handling that. But, yeah, that's the last thing you want. The last thing – at least when CC gets a Tuesday night happy Thanksgiving text – it's just to you, right? It's not to like 20 other people on there, even though it's the same text as 20 other people, but you're not on the text with 20 other people, correct? Correct. Okay, because that, that's key with all of this. Yeah, all right. That's not, that's not happening. Coming up, we have our unsportsmanlike moment of the day, which and the best bet of the day for Canty, Canty's best bet, the ESPN bet, which, by the way, con- includes today a geography lesson and a butt fumble. Next, unsportsmanlike. <laughs> This is the Unsportsmanlike Podcast on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. 
With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Sportsman like here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Hello, Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. Every day at this time, we do two things. We give out our unsportsmanlike moment of the day, something weird, something different, something funny. And we get Canty's best bet for ESPN Bet for this evening. All right. Today is the 11-year anniversary of the butt fumble. Mm. The butt fumble. Mark Sanchez was the quarterback of the Jets. He ran into an offensive lineman's butt against the Patriots, fumbled the football, and the rest is history. 11 years ago today, and here's Mark Sanchez, then Jets quarterback on the butt fumble. Broken play. Mark Sanchez scrambles up the middle. Lost the football. It's picked up. He ran right to the back of Brandon Moore. Fumbled the ball. It's picked up and running into the end zone with the loose ball for a touchdown is Steve Gregory. Are you kidding me? All right, that was Bob Schusen on the Jets Radio Network. So, uh, yes, that was was Sanchez's play. Not Sanchez speaking, obviously. But, <laughs> I mean. It would be a hell of a thing to call that, call that while call you're your actually own play. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? It's a good idea. Is there someone out there that could be a play-by-play guy or gal and a player simultaneously? Wait, Okay, I'm going to ask a dopey question about the bunt fumble. When you mm. watch that back from an X's and O's perspective, what do you actually see happened on that play season? It was a broken play. It was a broken play. Sanchez thought he was supposed to do one thing, and everybody else on offense did another. And so he was just trying to make the most of it, and he basically oh, – I don't even want to call it that. But I mean, he runs up the back of Brandon Moore. I just, it, it's, it's an embarrassment. But you know what, Ev Smalls? That play – perfectly encapsulated the performance that Jets fans had to endure Thanksgiving night in 2012. That, that, so I mean, that, that, that play was perfect in terms of when you want to define a performance by a team, look at that play. Perfectly encapsulated. Like when you think of a play that perfectly encapsulates a team. A franchise. A franchise. Yes. Such an interesting way of looking at it. Like I think about Santonio Holmes' catch for the Steelers against the Cardinals in the Super Bowl. The tippy-toe catch, Roethlisberger yep. throwing the football, like everything kind of going right. That's the Steelers, right? Shaq to, or Kobe to Shaq, alley-oop against the Blazers, right, for the Lakers, encapsulates the franchise. So does that. Yeah. So does that. Same thing. Yeah. Different results, but same yeah. thing. Double pass for the Pats against the Ravens when the Ravens blew a 14-point lead twice. Come on now. What's we didn't that? have to take it there. What's well, that? Keep it, what keep happened? it classy. <laughs> what keep happened? it classy, Evan. Your team has the most losses of any team in the AFC. Just keep it classy, Ooh. okay? Just keep it classy. All right. Relax, okay. all right? All right. Oh, but is that, is that? Go ahead. 
No, I'm go not. Gonna, I'm not going to do it. You're doing it. You're no, doing it. You want to do it? Also, Evan, Evan, you've got to do it. Evan, dance cam. No, not right now. Because I got a, I got a geography lesson for you. No, come on, just give us a little one. You two, dance three. first. I'm not the one who said that I've got moves. Evan. I can't. Yeah, I, you I'm, said I you got, were a good dancer, so well, you have you, to actually prove we that. Have we got to go out. Well, I'll go out. If we go to a club, you'll see me dance. Cece, we're going to the club. Yeah. You're talking about clearing out the club. Oh, I was talking about a country club. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Uh, all right, we got a geography lesson yesterday in Boulder from Deion Sanders. Yeah, yeah my expectations are out of the darn park. You got to understand, man. I mean, come on, man. What's, the, what's those little foreheads that's in California? What do they call those? The people faces engraved? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, man. I set up there. It's in where? South Dakota. I thought it was in L.A. all this time. <laughs> <laughs> wow, my geography. That's the Hollywood thing? That's, that's what I thought. I'm sorry. Thank you for educating me. Jesus, South Dakota. All right, I am going to laugh with Dion, but not laugh at Dion, and I'll tell you why. So Dion Sanders thinks that Mount Rushmore is in L.A. <laughs> mm-hmm. There are so many of those mistakes that I probably have made in my life and could still make in my life that I got to laugh with him instead of at him because there are probably different things across our country and our world that if you say to me, where is blank, I would have no idea. Just being honest, just owning it. It's funny as hell to me. I mean, just to think about Dion, it never occurred to him that it wasn't in L.A. though. That's the part that's so surprising. Like, it's just like, oh, yeah. Those foreheads carved in the mouth, that, that's somewhere in L.A. I know that's somewhere around L.A. Like, that just speaks to the randomness of Mount Rushmore. Not to attack a national monument, but really, though, if you're thinking about places to put a national monument, South Dakota was 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 the top of the list. I, I just I don't understand that. Also, what feels L.A. about Mount Rushmore? When we think about presidents or places where we'd want to put something to represent our country's history, I don't know if i go L.A., I just don't think that those two really mesh. L.A. has its own identity. It's not really political. Okay, you're being- Sure, but I wouldn't you think L.A. over South Dakota? But you both are getting <laughs> very well, deep like, on really, this. Well, like, <laughs> you realize he thought the P- Hollywood Pierre sign- is where it's at? <laughs> he thought to to the Hollywood sign was Mount Rushmore. Where should we go, guys? South Dakota, for again, sure. <laughs> again, again, ladies and gentlemen. South Dakota is yeah. calling me, dog. <laughs> he thought the Hollywood sign was the Mount Rushmore. Be clear on that. That's actually what he said. It kind of is, though. Right. It, it more kind of people, represents our country right. more than uh, the actual if, if, I agree with you. If you said to 100 people out there, we are going to take you right up there to the Hollywood sign or to Mount Rushmore, where do you want to go? Everyone's going to say the Hollywood sign. Because they want to go to L.A. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Of course. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Got a great station, 710 in L.A., ESPN L.A. Hello. Not that South Dakota is bad. I'm not saying that. I can't wait to run South Dakota. I hear it's great up there. How many states do you think you've been to in your life? In my life? Over, under 30. Oh, over for sure. Me too. Cece? Yeah, something like that. I mean, yeah, I'm pretty sure. All right. I want to ask Pat Costello, how many states have you been to in your life? I'm going to say over, under five. If you guys had to guess, are you saying over, under five for Pat? Over. Over? Over. I may go under. It's it's probably over, but it's not far over. (laughs) I mean, the Northeast has so many that I've accidentally gone to some, like Rhode Island, but you know. Have you ever been on a plane in your life? Yeah. Okay, all right. Have you been to the Midwest, Pat? No. (gasps) Have you been to California? make that happen. No. Have you been to Florida? Yeah. Okay. I've been to Florida. I've been to Texas. I went to Notre Dame. Those are the 
farthest places. You've been to Notre gone. Dame, so you have been to the Midwest. That's <laughs> in Indiana. <laughs> right, I was about to say. It's in Indiana. It's in Indiana, which is literally the heart of our country. Pat is getting recruited by Colorado. Pat will be the when Shador Sanders leaves. Pat is now in. He passes the Deion Sanders geography test. Never been to the Midwest. Been to Notre Dame though. Been to Notre Dame. Who thinks of Notre Dame as the Midwest? Everyone. What? Everybody does. Yeah, they don't. You don't think Notre Dame is the Midwest? What do you think it identifies with, Pat? The East Coast? Yeah, I don't know. It's just its own thing. No, he thinks of Irish. But he, like Ireland is no, what he thinks on, of with Notre on. Dame. Are you saying that it's like D.C.? Like it's its own separate entity? Yeah, like D.C. is not the South. No, nobody called D.C. the South because it's not in the South. South. Where's, what's D.C. then? It's more northeast than okay, it is south, so it but it's mid-Atlantic. Mid-Atlantic. It's mid-Atlantic. But no every, everybody that. agrees that Notre Dame is in the Midwest. I've nah. never been to the Midwest, but I've been to Notre Dame. <laughs> I mean, that's, 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 that is wild to me. I mean, don't we consider Ohio Midwest? Yes, Pat? yes. See, if see, Ohio but, is Midwest, it's in the Big Ten. Indiana is literally west of Ohio. How is that not Midwest? Cece, before you give your best bet, Cece, you got to go back to school right now. Uh, you got to have one person as your geography teacher, Deion Sanders or Pat Costello. Who would you I'm rather? I'm going Pat Costello. I'm okay, going Pat Costello. Going I, feel, I, feel, wow. I, I feel a little more confident about Pat Costello. A little more. Slightly. ESPN bet. Canty better than night. What do you have, CeCe? All right, so we're going to the association. Guys, we got to get a win, man. I mean, <laughs> last night it was absolutely brutal. Sixers, Cavs. The night before that, I had a money line parlay with the Chiefs. That didn't work out. But tonight, we're going to the association and... We're going for the low-hanging fruit. I'm going Boston Celtics on the money line against the Milwaukee Bucks. I get it, tough opponent, but Boston is 5-0 at home. And I'm going with Jason Tatum over 28.5 points. He dropped 45 in a loss against the Charlotte Hornets. And the third leg of our parlay is Christos Porzingis over 1.5 three-pointers. So the parlay is Celtics on the money line, Tatum over 28.5 points, and Christos Porzingis over one and a half threes, and that pays out at plus 315. Well done there. Bucks and Celtics. Obviously, huge game tonight. Also, Wednesday night before Thanksgiving, always the best night to go out. Uh, none of us will probably be going out. Big Wednesday. It, big Every, Wednesday. Everybody's at home. You're going to maybe bump into your high school crush at the local bar when you're two drinks deep. <laughs> Shoot your shot, America. Go mm. ahead. Shoot your shot. I saw that. Literally Sm- and figuratively. Smalls went, with that, Smalls went with that squint there. She knows what that Wednesday night is like. She's Uh-oh. been back in the loo and back in Illinois for those Uh-oh. Wednesday nights. Oh, please. Oh, the Midwest. At Shenanigans <laughs> yeah. in Belleville, Illinois. Some fun times there on Big Wednesday. Yeah, maybe we'll go to the Northeast Ooh. tonight, like Notre Dame, and have some fun. <laughs> Possibly. Maybe. Head to, the, head to the South and go to D.C. Ten seconds. All right, we got to go. We got to go because um, CeCe has a random dog running through his property right now. We are on to Thursday. Happy Thanksgiving. See you on Greeny next. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.